whenever I saw her, it was instantly like a reality TV show. Because Kennedy, she always said the same thing, and she screamed it at the top of her lungs. She'd say, Gorka! What an accent, what a brain. Thanks for tuning into the Weekly Standard Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 14th, 2018. I'm Jim Swift, stepping in for Charlie Sykes, who has the week off, as do many other people at the Weekly Standard, because we're, we're dark this week. But some of us here uh, do come into the office during the dark week, because the internet and news never sleeps, including Bill Crystal, our guest today, a founder and editor-at-large of the Weekly Standard. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Good to be here, Jim. Yeah, the print it's a dark week for the print magazine, but those of us who are online know that we have to keep putting out good material, and we have put out some good stuff this week. Yeah, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll be tuning into the website as we roll out the issue slowly and on the web and uh, have new content here. But I have Bill in studio today to talk about Amarosa Manigault, Ohio native, who has uh, taken taken the news cycle by storm. What what Trump Tower meeting? What what Russian meetings? It's all Amarosa all the time. Uh, what what do you make of uh, the the domination of the news cycle for her new book? You know, I hadn't realized she was an Ohio native. That's congratulations on that, Jim. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, your state is really coming up with some excellent people. Actually, John Kasich. Though, had a, had a good response to Trump. So when Trump was taking credit for the Balderson victory in the Columbus suburbs the, uh, last week and attacking Kasich, though Kasich's voters actually seem to have put this uh, uh, Balderson over the top. But anyway, uh, so maybe uh, you should be you could, Ohio has some good things as well as as well as Amorosa. I mean, everyone's dumping on Amorosa, and I'm happy. I mean, I don't disagree with that. She seems like an unpleasant person and was not qualified for the job she held. But again, she didn't put herself in that job. Donald Trump put her in that job. And I would say, honestly, she's behaved you know, in a pretty shabby way as she is uh, with the book and the book publicity and a lot of unverified accusations. But he has behaved. He's the president of the United States. She's a, you know, unemployed or semi-unemployed uh, former celebrity. He's behaved as badly as she has. So for me, it still comes back to Trump. He appointed her. He was comfortable having her in the White House. He said in a tweet, pretty amazingly, that John Kelly came in and wanted to get rid of her. But he wanted her kept around because what did he, uh, she, he say? She said nice, nice things, things about, about him. Yeah. yeah, very great things about him. So that's good. We all paid, taxpayers paid six months of salary for Omarosa to say nice things about Trump when she apparently wasn't doing much in the way of work for the taxpayers. Uh, and now she's trashing him and the whole Trump organization, you know, Trump team uh, has come down on her like a ton of bricks. But uh, And the way in which Trump did it, of course, calling her a dog is a little bit unbelievable for the president of the United States to say that. Yeah, and he also called her wacky. And, you know, we played the... Uh, the um the Gorka clip coming in. All of Trump world is, is out to attack Omarosa and saying it's reality TV. But we all knew this. I mean, people who have really paid attention to Trump during the campaign now as president, uh, he, he always, you know, in his some of his most ardent supporters believe that he only hires the best people. But how can you say that you hire the best people and then make excuses for why you felt sorry for her and wanted to be one of the most highly paid advisors in the U.S. government? Yeah, people don't appreciate him. She was an assistant to the president. So the way the White House works, there are about 20 usually assistants to the president. Then there are more deputy assistants to the president many more special assistants to the president and then people who aren't commissioned officers. That's It just happens to have worked out that over the decades that those are the, the, the titles. So assistant to the president is a high title. It means you attend at least things, unless things change under uh, John Kelly, you attend the senior staff meeting each morning and so forth. Now they can say she didn't have real power and there's some truth to that. Still, it's a position, was once a position that people were honored to get. People worked very hard to make it up to assistant from you know special assistant or deputy assistant. I know many, many people who contributed a ton to this country who never made it above special assistant or deputy assistant to the president. She's an assistant to the president and uh, she was manifestly unqualified 
qualified. I guess we all knew that all along. It turns out she did even less work and was more difficult to work for and was more self-indulgent in her work habits than perhaps even any of us realized. Uh, a lot of people seem to have put up with her and not said anything about it, including people who left the White House earlier. That's another thing that's astonishing. I mean, I don't know. I guess if you're Reince Priebus or all these other, Seb Gorker, all these people who've left, they have no obligation to tell us anything that's going on there. I mean, they don't, you know, it's taxpayer money. It's the, it's the White House. It's not a private company. Well, now well, now they have these NDAs. I mean, they're, they're right, clearly they these, doing it to, to comply with these quasi-legal quasi NDAs. These un- illegal NDAs, which is themselves an outrage that Trump sort of thinks. And people went along with Trump. Now, they told him privately, of course, this is unenforceable, but people indulge Trump. I mean, no one speaks up to him. The White House counsel doesn't say, this is just, I cannot, as a, in good conscience, this White House counsel draft these. No, he says, I'll draft them. You know, they'll sign them. It won't mean anything. Well, they're drafting them on White House stationery, so to speak. It's on government time. This is not a matter of like, gee, I have a cranky boss here, you know, and I'm going to indulge him because, you know, what does it really matter? This is the president of the United States being indulged in ways he shouldn't be by his associates and by his staff. And worse, they'll have to, someone challenges this, like Omarosa, for example, they, they, if, they, if the White House was really the, the signatory of these and it wasn't just between a individual pre- Donald Trump, the individual, which of course wouldn't really probably hold up either, the government will probably have to pay for the lawyers to, to fight, to say these they things. They won't fight it and no one will even fight it. But again, it's an interesting question. I mean, people should ask this though as a matter of governance. Did the White House counsel go to the Department of Justice and say, uh, do we have legal authority for this? I mean, he knew they didn't really, so he probably didn't. But again, do we just give everyone a pass? They're working for Trump, so they did all kinds of things that are really improper. They're improper for a government official to be doing. But they work for Trump, and they're kind of keeping him in line. Now, I suppose at times you would say, yes, you know what, if if, if James Mattis or H.R. McMaster or someone have to give Trump a few things to kind of keep a hand on the tiller and prevent us from getting into horrible trouble abroad or or in other cases uh, if, if Sessions has to do certain things or Rosenstein to keep the rule of law in reasonably good shape at home, I suppose they have to make some compromises. But the degree to which everyone has just gone along with this guy uh, really uh, shocks me a little bit. And, con- and they continue to do it now as they attack Omarosa, who previously was was in the fold, and uh, now we're talking about tapes. First, we had Michael Cohen's tapes. How, m- how many people have surreptitiously taped this president or this candidate? And now we have the, this allegation that the president used a racial slur, and whether or not there's a tape of that is, is a question. But uh, Katrina Pearson and Lynn Patton, both uh, females uh, who uh, advise the president, all of whom are minorities, uh, Omarosa, Omarosa released a tape where Katrina Pearson was put on tape uh, saying he said it. And then, of course, now is sort of denying it. And, you know, this is, of course, a majestic spectacle where we're going to go down this wormhole, I think, with, you know, his media defender saying, oh, well, you know, he didn't say it. There's no proof he said it. Well, she didn't say that he said that. And so what if he said it? I mean, is it just me or does this process repeat itself with virtually everything that the president is accused of? It is, but it's, you know, it doesn't hurt the president because it's a distraction from the actual serious critiques in a certain way and you get into a he said she said in this case literally and and it will probably be impossible to prove one way or the other and and you know so i i actually don't think it's a you know uh, i think it's a stupid thing to engage in and and we don't know and these tapes were not made in a good faith way and why should we indulge someone who makes those tapes so i'm very much just staying out of that and focusing on the bigger picture which is he hired all these people he hired Pearson. He hired that woman at a HUD he, who was his like party planner Lynn or something, Patton. event planner in, yeah. in, in New York. He hired Omarosa. 
Uh, he's responsible for populating the government with people who are not qualified to do their jobs. The, be- the best not qualified people, clearly. Let's move on to the Manafort trial, which is taking place. Uh, it's like, what, week three, day two in Alexandria. A lot of interesting things are coming out about that. What's What's been your take so far? You know, trials are hard to judge from the outside, but I, I think we'll have a verdict quite soon. And I mean, it's pretty clear to me that Paul Manafort is guilty of what the government has charged him with, just on the evidence that everyone's pre- that's been presented. We'll see how much evidence, counter evidence, the defense tries to present, or whether they just call a witness or two, probably not including Manafort, and then uh, try to hope that they get one or two jurors to, in effect, uh, nullify and, and get a hung jury, which isn't out of the question. Juries are jurors are unpredictable. This judge has been somewhat flaky and has been seems to have been taking more shots at the prosecution than at the defense. So if you're sort of a pro-Trump juror and you kind of think this thing, whole thing is a little fishy and now the judge is making kind of cracks about it, you maybe have an excuse in your own mind not to vote to convict. It's always worth remem- remembering that OJ was acquitted. So, uh, well, I, but... I guess the main point I would make is we could have a verdict later this week, and that will be kind of a big moment, I should think, in this whole investigation. If he's found guilty, do you think Trump pardons him? Not right away. I suspect Trump doesn't do any of that until after the election. But, you know, there'll be appeals and stuff, so it wouldn't be as if... uh, the pardon would be you know, necessary right away. Did you see these emails? A lot of stuff is coming out from the trial, which being a federal trial is, is not televised. Reporters have to go sit in a room. They can't have, they can't pull an Omarosa and sneak their phones or their pens into the room. And then they have to run out and go across the street and get their stuff back and file their stories. But one of the, one of the emails that came out late last night was that uh, Steve Kalk, who's a uh, bank financier in New York, lent money to, to uh, Michael Cohen. And after Trump one, to Manafort. Uh, to Manafort, excuse me, uh, sent an email that did end up getting passed along to Jared Kushner, who said on it, with like a list of roles, prospective or perspective roles, I think he said in error, uh, in, in the Trump administration. What is this that Kushner would respond with this on it? I mean, this pay, it's such a blatant pay to play. We should know that he never got any job. Yeah, so I mean, it's, and of course, donors expect often to be considered for jobs. It is a pretty uh, it's one thing to be a donor to a campaign, and then you hope you'll get put at the front of the list for some ambassadorship or even a job in government. And and another thing to be making a controversial loan to the former campaign manager who was fired under a cloud. And that guy, for all the cloud and for all the we don't deal with Manafort anymore, Kushner seemed pretty prompt in telling Manafort he was on it. Now, maybe he wasn't really. Maybe they sort of just put it in some file where nothing ever happened since I don't believe this fellow ever got a job offer. And um, – but again, the general sleaziness surrounding Manafort is pretty astounding. We had Congressman Collins uh, this week, later this uh, earlier last week, I guess late last week, uh, uh, indicted for insider trading. But what was amazing there was even what he did before the insider trading, just being on the board of a of a pharmaceutical startup and you know sponsoring legislation that would help them buying and selling stock. I do think, honestly, looking forward, someone who comes in and says, you know what, Trump talked about blowing things up and draining the swamp and cleaning things up. And some of that talk was, I understand why voters responded to it, this candidate could say, but you know, he hasn't done that. And we really do need to do it. I mean, I think the post-Trump or the alternative to Trump among Republicans, something I've given a little thought to, has to be a real genuine reformer who really will clean things up because you look at Manafort's behavior, you look at everyone else's behavior, you look at this White House, you look at the Congress too, and you think this is not the way a reasonable self-governing republic should govern itself. 
Manafort could have avoided these troubles had he listened to, and I'll have Charlie Sykes, our normal host, bring you a word from our sponsor, Lending Club, and gone through Lending Club and not a shady banker. Charlie, take it away. The Daily Standard Podcast today is brought to you by Lending Club. For decades, you know that credit cards have been telling us, buy it now, pay for it later, uh, with, with ridiculous interest rates. Now, And despite your best intentions, that interest can get out of control really fast. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed rate personal loans, no trips to a bank, no high interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com, tell them about yourself, how much you want to borrow, pick the terms that are right for you, and if you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with more than $35 billion in loans issued. So if you want to find out about this, go to LendingClub.com standard. Check your rate in minutes and borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com standard. LendingClub.com standard. Okay, and we're back. And Bill, you, you've taken a stance in the mayonnaise war. Yeah, I didn't know there was a mayonnaise war, but I think on Twitter, at least, there was uh, some controversy about mayonnaise. I can't remember exactly how it started. Millennials killing mayonnaise. Yes, I was good for the millennials. That's what I said. I mean, mayonnaise I've disliked since I was, I don't know, five years old. And I'm one of those people who's sufficiently uh, crazed about mayonnaise in a negative way. Yes. That when I see one of these, you know, pre-made sandwiches at a coffee shop or a restaurant or something, I look to see if there's mayonnaise on it. If there's mayonnaise on it, I don't get it. So that does limit my choices because they tend to pre-slather mayonnaise on a lot of things. I guess for some mysterious reason, tens of millions of Americans have liked mayonnaise over the years, but I, good for the millennials if they're doing it in. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I I think it should be not only a, a state crime, but a federal crime if they put mayonnaise on the sandwich and don't divulge it. Totally, because then you've wasted your, you know, six ninety five buying or, something. Or your time. But it's just one of these, like, I like all of the individual ingredients of mayonnaise, but combined, I just don't like it. So on a more serious note, you tweeted about Ben Sass kind of still taking the Mueller investigation seriously, which, which is the real issue that we should be paying attention to, probably instead of Omarosa and her book. Do you think that SAS is going to continue to, to hold strong and others on, on, on Mueller? You know, I think, yes, yeah, so SAS was asked a question in Nebraska and just said, look, it's a legitimate investigation. Russian interference is a terribly important thing. So Mueller seems to be uh, doing a serious job of it and let him do it. So that's the right answer. I do think Republicans have been disappointing to me in many, many ways, but most of them are not on board with firing Mueller or they occasionally grumble that couldn't it have conclude earlier, but these things have their own pace, obviously, and trials take take a while and, and so forth. So I, I do think that investigation will continue. I give Sass credit for just being sort of unapologetic and in saying he has confidence in Mueller. And, um, you know, I think we'll see what happens. I mean, the Manafort verdict, or if it's a, whether it's guilty or hung jury, there, there could be indictments soon. There's an attempt to uh, 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 have a resolution of, uh, I guess, contempt, I think it is, for holding Rosenstein in contempt for not producing certain documents to the House. That will come up maybe in early mid-September. There's a lot happening, actually, beneath the surface on the investigation and in the general politics surrounding the whole question of Mueller and Rosenstein. So that could be an interesting issue over the next month. I think more might happen uh, in terms of indictments and a matter of verdict, obviously, and congressional activity and Trump activity uh, than, than people have quite focused on yet. You know, Sessions has been, I think, throughout much of his tenure as attorney general, 
a pretty silent guy, not going out and doing press availabilities, not going out and doing rally kind of stuff as maybe like Mnuchin and others have. Uh, an old tape surfaced from, oh, geez, 15, 20 years ago, where he was talking about if the president wasn't uh, adhering to the highest ethical standards that, you know, he didn't care if an investigation of this uh, took millions of dollars. I mean, I haven't seen anyone press him on this, but wouldn't you think that uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions probably disagrees with then uh, Senator Jeff Sessions? Or well, I'm not sure because to his, to his credit, Sessions has, you know, supported Rosenstein Rosenstein and Mueller. And this is this, you know, he's, he's defending the Clinton investigation, the star investigation of Clinton in this old uh, tape, which I think uh, the person who on Twitter who calls herself, I assume it's a she, Rogue Melania surfaced from C-SPAN. Uh, she's, that's an excellent Twitter account if people want something amusing to follow. Um, but uh, I think it's Rogue Melania, Rogue First Lady, but you'll certainly find it. And um, no, Sessions has behaved pretty well, I've got to say. I, I do think one was on TV last week and someone said, you know, Washington, the culture of corruption is just unbelievable. This was after Collins and Manafort and stuff. It is pretty bad. And I said, but one also I shouldn't notice the other side. Look at something like the Justice Department. It was a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in New York who indicted Collins, who was a big Trump supporter, Congressman Collins. And, of course, it's the Trump-appointed Trump senior people at the Justice Department who have protected Mueller. So uh, that that institutions like the Department of Justice give me some comfort that the institutions remain strong and we have some cultures of integrity here in Washington, as well as, unfortunately, too much of a, a culture of corruption. Any predictions? Uh, I mean, it's August. I know the Senate is sticking around and the, the House is out, but any predictions for the rest of the month of August? You know, Manafort verdict will be big. And um, I think other developments in the Mueller investigation, because Mueller's under some pressure, if he's going to announce other big things, he probably would want, not want to do it in September, October, in the 60 days before the election. So I, I suspect more fireworks on the Mueller front, broadly understood, than maybe than, than people quite expect in the next couple of weeks. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Bill. Tune in tomorrow where I will be talking with David Byler and Chris Deaton about uh, the primary elections that are happening Tuesday.